Hey, this is Adam Penapinto. I'm the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a part of our Hope Covenant Church family, we would love to connect with you via social media on all social media outlets or on our website, hopecovenant.cc. I hope this word encourages, inspires, and challenges you in your daily walk with God as we dig deeper into His Word. Let's jump right into today's message. We're in the last, this is part four of Spirit by My Spirit, and this is Spirit-Shaped Life, and this is actually part two of Spirit-Shaped Life in the By My Spirit series. The key verse for this, we've been reading out of Zechariah 4, verse 6, and so he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, and read this with me because it's on the screen, and if you guys would, don't, don't make it weak. Make it loud for me this morning. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So the emphasis on this whole series has been to get out of a season or a, let's call it a mode of operation, an MO. Let's get out of the MO, the mode of operation of doing things in our strength and getting in the spirit of God. I don't know about any of y'all. Anybody in this room, just a show of hands, have control issues. Okay, uh, I'm going to put my, I should have two hands up. My wife would put three hands up for me if she could. We struggle with this where we want to make everything happen and dot every I and cross every T or have a perfect worship set and God just comes in and changes all the songs. You know, we have everything programmed or we think we're going in this direction in life and God brings it to a screeching halt. Y'all need to, can I tell you something? I've got a prophetic word for somebody in this place. You think God's called you to this, but God is going to bring things to a screeching halt and change directions for you. That's coming. That's coming, and I don't know who that word is for, but God is fixing to change direction for somebody in this room where God's just going to mess everything up. You think you got it all figured out. I was watching, uh, uh, I was watching the news, and they were saying that there was a, a late-night guy that I guess uh, had one of our presidential figures in, and he kind of crossed the line and messed up his hair, and, and it's kind of affected his ratings. And there was I don't know if any of y'all know about this. I didn't know anything about this. But it totally changed the direction of some things, and that was for the negative. I think some of you might feel like you mess things up, and there's negative that's coming for you. But can I tell you something? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Okay, there's you might feel like you jacked it all up and the plan of God is messed up and you don't know what to do. And I want to encourage you with this. I am saved by grace. You are saved by grace. And walking out our salvation is a continual moment where we get into the grace of God. He affords us grace when we repent. That's a big part of it. He forgives us of our sins, and then we walk by grace and the grace of him shaping us more and more into his image. Hopefully, we're becoming less flesh and more spirit. Okay, so I want to go over this. I've got, I've, got, I've got a couple points for you today, but we need our identity to be in Christ. I said this last week, that Christianity has become our brand, but we need it to be our identity. Not just something that we claim we are. But something that we are Christians means little Christ. You are a little Christ. You are called to represent the character, the spirit shaped like Christ, shaped like his image. That when you go through the drive-thru at Starbucks or you go through the drive-thru at Jason's Deli or wherever it is, whatever your poison is, that they go, man, I think Jesus just drove through here. 
That's my goal. I want people to say, man, Adam, Adam just looks like Jesus. I feel Jesus. I feel like I'm hanging out with Jesus. And man, that's a learned thing that we get his character and listen to his spirit that convicts us that our conversations, all of it, represent Jesus. So when the Holy Spirit transforms you, you start to say things like, I'm not where I want my, to be in my walk with God, but I'm certainly not where I used to be. You look back at what you used to be and you thank God I'm not there, but you look ahead and you're getting into his spirit and he's revealing things to you that you go, but I'm not quite where I need to be. You know that by your flesh that's tested. How many of you been there? How many of you are there right now? You see the evidence and change when Holy Spirit shapes you. So much of the church doesn't see transformation in their lives because y'all, we've kicked the Holy Spirit out of our churches. We don't spend time marinating in his presence. I was thinking about it during worship that, you know, I, I knew I had this message to do. I knew we had announcements about the building and I'm thinking to myself about the machine and I felt the Lord say, stop the machine thinking and start entertaining my spirit because that's what's important. I think sometimes it's like, I'll, I'll liken it to this. I was at dinner with Liz the other night. We went to Viva Chicken. Anybody feel the Lord? At, you know, the old Jesus. And we were sitting there, and I was listening. I was so distracted because we just had a busy day, and the both of us were on our phones. And I looked up, and I realized, hey, babe. <laughs> Hi. I'm your husband. And we realized we were both on our phones. And we weren't spending time with each other and seizing the moment with each other. And because of that, it was like we were missing out on an opportunity to have fellowship and love each other and have a great time because we're on our stupid Chinese-made iPhones. Nothing to do with China. I'm just saying, uh, we're on these things all the time, and they're killing fellowship. I feel like we do that with Jesus. When we come into church, we want that hour clean cut service where we have everything just so. And guys, can I tell you, we've got this machine and we're so distracted. Oftentimes when we walk through the door, we got to stop that and go, Jesus, I am here and you have my full attention. I came to the house of God for fellowship with you primarily and then everybody else. See, if you're coming to church for fellowship with people, but you don't come to fellowship with the Lord, you're missing out on the whole purpose. Why do we come into God's house? Because we're visiting God and then his people. And that's the beauty of this. So Holy Spirit brings revelation. And when he brings revelation, that creates transformation. Holy Spirit doesn't reveal things to you that you could leave here the same person. He reveals them that you would be transformed, that you would be convicted, that you would become more like him so that you could represent him. And as he transforms you, you'll find your intimacy with him grows. That's what happens. Because who can ascend the hill of the Lord? We've been saying this all throughout the series. Him and her with clean hands and a pure heart. Galatians 3, verse 2 to 3. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Holy Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? I want to ask you that question. Why are you trying to perfect Christianity in your own strength? You can't do it. 
No revelation comes from spending time with God. That's where you get the conviction. And listen, what our generation lacks is the fear of the Lord. It's not that we're scared of God. It's that we awe, we're in awe and reverence of him. You know, our generation, can I, can I just say something, guys? If we would focus on pleasing our lover instead of being afraid of the person that's going to whack us, I think it would change our perspective. We've got a lover. His name is Jesus. He died for you and he loves you and he wants relationship with you. He desires your attention. But imagine just hurting the feelings of someone over and over and over again and they still love you. That's Jesus. We dismiss oftentimes the conviction or what he says out of convenience of our current momentary sin or whatever it is that we want more than God. Guys, can I tell you, getting in the spirit is not only desiring God, but needing God. This becomes an essential thing. So here's the question of the day. How do we live a spirit-shaped life? I'm going to go through this. This is short, but I want to give you three points with three prayers. Why do I give you prayers with each point? Because the point is going to show you what it is. The prayer is going to change it, okay? Because prayer changes things. So the first one is that we need, whole, we need to let Holy Spirit reveal. Everybody say reveal. reveal. This is to show us. Jesus said this in John 16, verse 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and God's righteousness and the coming judgment. Oftentimes, we confuse conviction and condemnation. We get those two C words all messed up. Condemnation is of the devil. It's the enemy trying to make you feel guilty, and he will try to make you feel like sin is your identity. I want to tell you this. What you did is not who you are. I also want to say that what you do is not who you are. I want to say that. If pastor, see, I hate when people call me pastor when I'm out at restaurants. My mom did not name me pastor. She named me Adam. Believe it or not. And I don't wear pastor as a badge of, I, have a ch I am the pastor. And if I ever get that way, go to another church. <laughs> this is what I do. And I get to do this. I don't have to do this. And I serve. I'm a servant. It's not a prestigious position. It's an opportunity that I get to wash your feet. And I hate that because I hate feet. <laughs> uh, the whole foot washing thing. Whenever we, I would get, How many of y'all get uncomfortable during foot washings? I get the whole purpose of them. But just like, you know what? No, I'll just I'll take, like shine your shoes or something. But don't, no. Just, you know, because I know y'all don't, you know, soap between your toes and all that. Ugh, Jesus, soap between your toes. If you get anything from this message, dove soap. Make sure you smell good. Oftentimes we confuse conviction and condemnation. Condemnations of the devil. Anytime you feel the sin you struggle with is who you are. That's demonic. It's demonic. It's demonic. The devil will try to do that. But convict is a godly word, and I want to hang out here for a minute. Convict in the original language means to reveal or to expose. It means to bring light to. In Latin, the word convict is made up of two words. Guys, this blew my mind. The word convict in Latin means with victory. That's kind of encouraging. That when God shows me something, it's so that I can have victory over it, not that I just know I have it. Man, that's good. He shows you because it's a verb. You're supposed to do something about it. It's an action. God doesn't reveal sin simply to show you it's there. 
but so that we can have victory. And revelation is key in getting the Holy Spirit's direction to have that victory. Isaiah 30, verse 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Now, I want to time out right here because I have sought direction for my life and paused and been frustrated. I've asked God for things. Some of y'all are asking God for your future spouse. Some of y'all are asking God for a better car. Some of y'all are asking God to show you what direction you're supposed to go in. Some of y'all are not sure whether you should sell your house or whether you should keep it. Some of y'all are not sure what to do. That direction comes from an intimate relationship with Holy Spirit, which makes all these decisions really, really easy. Well, it's not easy, though. I'm confused. Can I tell you when you're confused, get in the presence of the Lord because he's a confusion buster. He will break confusion and bring clarity. We talked about that last week, that the disciples... Before Pentecost, you see the, this constant confusion during Jesus' teachings. Like they were scratching their heads. There was confusion. But then there was an outbreak of the Spirit of God in the book of Acts that broke confusion and there was clarity. We need revival so we could have clarity. We need Holy Spirit so we can have clarity. I want to say this. There's a buzzword right now in our generation. How many of you have heard the buzzword, live your truth? Yeah. Or I have my truth. Can I tell you something? That's total poo hockey. The whole thing about living your truth. It's like people say, follow, just, just follow your heart. Why would you follow the thing that the Bible says is like really wicked? Don't follow your heart. Follow the spirit of God. Well, my heart says it. Okay, but your heart lies to you. Can I tell you how dysfunctional emotionally I am when I follow anything that has to do with my heart? I will make emotional decisions. Do you know in leadership, that's one of the first things they teach you is never make a decision out of emotion. Never make a decision in the middle of chaos or distress. You pause. You, yeah, my dad taught me that in leadership. You pause. You gain your composure. Get your stuff about you. And then you make a decision. That's a leader. Guys, can I tell you, and this is something that we all struggle with. We try to lead a lot of things, but we don't lead ourselves. Can I tell you, the Lord convicted me of that. He said to me, Adam, you want to lead a movement of God. You want to lead a church, but I need you to lead your, your private life before I'll let you lead any of that. Get your stuff together. Yeah, wow. Get your stuff together. Get in my presence and start becoming disciplined. And if you can't keep your closet clean, how do you expect to organize a ministry? That'll preach. I need somebody to amen me this morning. I really do. I need y'all to be alive. Have some coffee before you get here. We need to serve more coffee. I want to say this. Truth cannot be hijacked. Truth belongs to God. And my truth keeps me from freedom, but God's truth sets me free. My truth keeps me from freedom, but God's truth sets me free. So when you tell me you're living your truth, I go, oh, deception. You tell me I'm living God's truth. It's by the truth that, well, how do I know God's truth? You get in the word of God, which is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. And I don't care what this generation says. Can I tell you, the word of God is infallible. It was inspired. Yes, men wrote it, but God inspired men that wrote it. And so you can believe every word in that and know it is gospel. And we're going to preach that. I want to take a look at a story in Acts 5 with Ananias and Sapphira. I don't, I don't know why I always like couple those two words and mess them up. This couple was more concerned with appearance than what was going on inside the heart. This is Ananias and Sapphira. You might remember this story. They had sold some property, and they were on their way to church to tithe. 
And I, listen, this has nothing to do with tithe here, but you know it does at the same time. <laughs> they were on their way to church to tithe, but they held back part of their tithe. And when Peter called them out for lying and holding back from God because they held some of their tithe, and Peter called them out, and then they died. <laughs> Man, we would have like nobody in church right now, so praise God for that. <laughs> Not good church growth strategy right there, Jesus. Come on now. I was thinking about it. I laughed, chuckled when I read it. I said, Lord, you have a sense of humor. I've got that sick sense of humor. You know, it's like, man, that's unfortunate. Acts 5 verse 11 says, Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. This is an Acts. So I want to point out what's happening here in this verse. Just a great fear. It's the fear of God. It's that fear we were talking about, the reverence. When the Spirit of God comes in, fear of God will always come in as well. It's fake news if somebody claims that the Spirit of God was somewhere where the fear of God did not exist. That's not authentic. You go, there's a move of God. I've had, I've had pastors tell me, we're experiencing revival. I go, really? Because when I come in, I see people who are rebellious, and they don't care about the things of God. How are y'all experiencing revival? Because I've never seen a move of God or a revival or read about it. The Azusa Street revival, Brownsville revivals I've experienced, Toronto, all that stuff. I've never seen any of that where I did it. And those are all moves of God, by the way, historically, that you could read about. If you want to Google them, Google them. It'll come up. I've never seen any of that where I didn't see the fear of God. I lived through the day of Brownsville revival. It was it was a cool event, and if you you know I'm not, I'm not going to harp on that. It's not the end all. God's omnipresent, not just there, but there was a move of His Spirit, and it was repent, 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 and there was fear of God. People were afraid, and I'm talking about reverence fear, not 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 like scared fear. They were they had the reverence of God that when they came in, it was like okay, we're going to worship, and that whole place worshipped. It was incredible what was happening, and signs, wonders, and miracles were following. The word fear means awe, respect, and reverence. Proverbs 14, verse 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. So when we reverence God, you get life. Turning a person from the snares of death, so that'll keep you straight. When When you reverence the Lord and you value the things of God, you end up with a life of life. You end up with that life flow. You end up with, a, with, a, with an awesome narrative there. The, this needs to be our prayer, like what David said in Psalms 139. And God's, if you leave with anything, let this be your prayer today. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. Okay, can I tell you all something? That's a dangerous prayer. Test me. I prayed, God, God, go ahead and test me. That's a dangerous prayer. Because the minute, uh, listen, I, I'm, I'm not great at tests. I'm telling you, I stink at tests. And my, my teachers in school will tell you, I'm not, Barbara Murray will tell you, I'm not good at tests. No. And when God tests me, I f- immediately, I'm like, is this multiple choice? Or, you know, what is this? Is it fill in the blank? What is this? How does this roll? God, just give me the answer. <laughs> He'll test you. And you know what the test is that bothers me because I'm a New Yorker and I'm also one of those controlling guys? is when he doesn't give me the answer right away and I have to wait for his timing. Oh, snap, somebody's feeling that right now. You're going, God, I just want to know. But see, sometimes he withholds from us because there's a character test going on. And until you can wait on the Lord and get out of striving and by my spirit, you don't pass the test. What happens when I don't pass the test? I go around the mountain. 
go around the mountain. Oh, I'm tired of seeing this mountain. Anybody there? I'm tired of seeing this destination. Well, you got to pass the test. <laughs> Search me, oh God. So here's our prayer. God, reveal your heart to us. Search me and know my heart. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Man, that's really good. Point two is that we need to let the Holy Spirit refine. And I'm going to explain this. Acts 2, verse 1 to 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring uh, of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house that they were sitting in. Then they, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, I want to say this. It was the Holy Spirit that gave them that ability. They were not, rah, 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 rah. They were not making this up. This was the Holy Spirit that came on them, and that gave them the ability. The Holy Spirit is often attached to the image of fire for a very intentional reason, and I want to explain this to you. Fire is a refining tool. Fire takes out the impurities of precious metal, and the same is true for us. So I've got a ring that's 18 karat gold. The higher the carat, the softer the gold, because the less impurities, the less impurities, the softer the gold. Can I tell you the lesser impurities that we all have the softer we are when the Spirit of God starts to move. So we need to get the impurities out that God can mold us and shape a Spirit-shaped life. I can't be shaped with all these impurities because who can ascend the hill of the Lord, him and her with clean hands and a pure heart? In other words, the Holy Spirit refines you, and as I'm willing to do that, then he can shape me and can I tell you, you are of value to him. He can use you. He can do what he wants to do with you now. Is that a good picture? Yeah. The Holy Spirit is often attached to the, the image of fire for a very intentional reason. Fire takes out the impurities. The same is true for us. We need to stay in this refining process. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19 and 23, do not put out the Spirit's fire. In other words, the, the testing the, the flame of the Holy Spirit where he speaks to us and he convicts us. Don't put that out. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Leonard Ravenhill, a powerful revivalist, said this. And you want to write this down or just look at your notes on you version, whatever. You know, we live in a day where we are more afraid of holiness than we are of sinfulness. And I want to explain that to you. What he's saying is... We're more afraid of the sacrifice of what it takes to live holy than we are scared of the flames of hell and sin. Can I, can I get up in your grill for a minute? I'm asking permission. I need you to wave at me if I can get up in your grill for a minute. Whatever discomfort you're dealing with right now, I could tell you hell is a lot more uncomfortable. You go, oh, you're one of those churches that believes in heaven and hell? I do. I do. And can I tell you all, I'm really concerned about who I'm going to see on the other side. And I look at myself in the mirror and say, hey, are you faking it till you make it? Or are you real? Yeah. I ask myself this question. I take the log out of my own eye. I'm not trying to take the, the splinter out of yours. I look at myself with this as we all need to do. 
But we're oftentimes concerned about our discomfort of the sacrifice that we need to make right now. But I could tell you hell is so much more uncomfortable. You go, so you believe you got to be perfect to get to heaven? I believe you need to be active in your pursuit of God. I believe that we love God our Savior, but we don't love the Lord guy who tells us what to do and shows us the things that are uncomfortable. See, the refining, the refining process, that's where the test is at. When he starts to make you a little uncomfortable, you start to sweat because that flame is turned up. And you go, I don't know if I can do this. By my spirit, you can do this. By my spirit. That's what this whole thing is about. Holiness is not a crushing weight. It's a lifting opportunity. We look at this whole thing about holiness and living holy, and, and it's, like, it's like a rule book. No, no, we get to do this. We don't have to do this. The laws are simply God's to keep us on track, okay? I remember I used to go bowling as a kid. I, I used to go bowling as a kid. I'll just leave it at that. I haven't been bowling in ages. But how many of y'all remember those little water bumpers <laughs> that would go in the, in the little track on the side where the ball would go? What do they call that? The gutter. Thank you. See, I'm, I'm not a sports guy, even bowling, whatever. Bowling's a sport, right? Yeah. And so, I don't know. Whatever. I'm sportistically challenged in every area. But we just talked about this, Lynn. You and me. Yeah. So I, I used to have piano recitals. That's my sport. You know, that's right. That's it right there. Yeah, it's manly. Macho. It's right there. Anyway, I'm back on track. Used to go bowling. And when I would bowl, there was those bumpers in there that keep the ball from going off track, and then it would, it would go down. Any, anybody remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Guys, we need, we need some Holy Spirit bumpers in this room. Yeah. We need some Holy Spirit bumpers to keep us from going in the gutter. Keep us on track. Get, well, I need that strike. It's called a strike, yes? yes? Thank you, Jesus. I got that right. <laughs> I want to read this to you. I read this the other week, and I think it's important enough to read this. This is a quote by C.S. Lewis. Let's put this on the screen. And I'm wrapping up, so y'all don't worry. We're going to do communion. Dozens of people go to God to be cured of one particular sin, which they are ashamed of, like cowardice, or which is obviously spoiling daily life like a bad temper. How you doing? Well, he will cure it, all right, but he will not stop there. That may be all you asked for, but if once you call him in, he will give you the full treatment. In other words, above and beyond what you asked for, he's going to give you. Imagine yourself as a living house. This is a picture. Picture a house. God comes in to rebuild that house, and at first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He is getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts dreadfully and does not seem to make sense. In other words, he's doing more than really what you thought you bargained for. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one that you thought of. You thought that you were going to a little cottage, but check this out. He's building a palace. This is a castle, and he intends to come and dwell there himself with you. I think that's a great quote because we ask God for a little bit, but then he starts to expose and show us a lot of it. And can I tell you all, it gets a little overwhelming. What do we do when it gets overwhelming? We do communion. We commune with God and we remember what it is that he did for us. And it's not that big of a sacrifice when you look at somebody who gave their life. Gave their life for me. So our prayer is, Holy Spirit, change me. And then there's this last point, and we need to let the Holy Spirit redeem. 
You guys might remember the life of Paul, and he was called Saul prior to his name change. That was an identity change for him. Paul lived a, a life submitted to Christ, but he was driven by his own power and his own ambition when he was Saul. This is before he had that identity change. He was doing things in his own strength. Saul was, he was stressed. He had anger issues. The Bible said that he actually breathed out murderous threats. This is Saul. Saul became an executioner of Christians. He killed Christians, this guy. But after Saul's conversion to Christ, he became Paul. And later in scripture, when he was Paul, he actually said that he was the worst of sinners. But God never saw Saul by Saul. He saw him as Paul. That's a word for me today. God, don't, don't see me as Adam. See me as Adam. <laughs> I need an identity change. And here's a prophetic verse for every one of you. In Acts 9, verse 15, but the Lord said to Ananias, go. In other words, go to this man, Paul. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and it to the people of Israel. In other words, God saw the calling on Saul and saw him in his new identity as Paul. God saw that. He saw his, his, he saw his mission and he commissioned him, but there was an identity change that happened. You need to understand that you, like Paul, are chosen of God and we need to allow this Holy Spirit to shape us by these three things we just talked about. Reveal to us the things that need to be revealed refine me, take the fire to the things that are impure and redeem me because I don't know about you, but let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We read the definition of the word champion, which is God. We know he's our champion. We sang this song. We introduced it. We didn't sing it today, but it's a person who's defeated or surpassed all rivals of competition. The Lord is the champion. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. There's nobody that can hang with him. He's the best. So here's our prayer today, and I want every head bowed. Here's our prayer. God, we're asking you to show me the image that you see of me. In this spirit-shaped life, show me what you see that I could become that person. Show me what it is to live a spirit-shaped life so that I can look like you. Father, we just ask this right now. And I want you to only, only do this if you mean this, that you want to be shaped by his spirit I want you to stand to your feet if that's you. You say, God, man, I've, I, I, I know where I've come from, but I know how far I have to go. If that's you this morning, you're saying, man, I've got some work to do. I need you to shape me. I want you to stand to your feet right where you're at. God, I need you to shape me. I've got some work I need you to do. I've got some surgery that I need you to do. Let's go ahead and pass out the communion. And we're going to ask God as we communion. It's, it, Liz is going to explain this to you, but this was in the Last Supper. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, but there's power in this, this communion that we do. There's so much power in it because how many of you know that the same power that was in that room at the Passover is, is here right now? That same, when he was sitting there and they were communing together, that last supper, that's the, that's the same power that's here today. So as we're handing this out, Father, we just thank you that you're purging out everything that needs to be purged out. And Father, right now, each of us, we repent for the sin that's in our life that needs to be omitted. And we lay it down, even if it's just a faith statement, but God, we say we're ready to do this. We lay it down and we thank you that you would show us the image that you see. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, we give you the, the, the authority and the power right now to come in and do what you need to do in each of us. 
If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it on social media or jump onto our website, hopecovenant.cc and click on our giving link and help us continue to share the message of Jesus across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.